From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development for an affordable price. If you have any internet needs, website needs, or you just want more people to know about your company, give EPR Creations a call. Information is in the show notes. Also brought to you by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in the Research Triangle of North Carolina and Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. And in this episode, this is part three of our post-signing day discussion going through players uh, with some preliminary stuff. I'm going to put some video stuff out uh, during the offseason on some of these guys. But uh, this time I'm going to talk through the defensive haul that has been brought in and uh, basically what Florida State has added on the defensive side of the ball. Waited a little bit to put this one out, but uh, by the time this one releases, then uh, everything should be better known in terms of what's uh, what's going on here. Uh, but wanted to make sure that uh, I discussed the two most important, at least arguably the most important uh, additions that Florida State made. And they're not additions. They're people who are sticking around. And uh, again, on episode one of this three-part series, talked about how really retention of proven talent is the most important part of recruiting at this point in college football in this era. And by the time, like I said, by the time this episode releases, it'll be known that Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse are sticking around in uh in Tallahassee for one more year, which completely changes the defensive line situation for, for Florida state. So, you know, obviously love it was a guy that when he was on the field, Florida state's defense was completely different in 2023, him being a, or in 2022, him returning for 2023 is a massive difference. And then of course, verse was dominant when he was healthy but wasn't able to have a fully healthy season and, again, is a first-round talent. You look at the type of year that he could have, get a full a full year of ensuring that that knee is as it needs to be and working through getting that lower half strengthened. I mean, he's a guy that still has a decent amount of development to do in the weight room. <sighs> he could be that much better next year and, and could work his way into, you know, a top 10 type type uh, prospect. So those are guys that you add those or you retain those guys for this next year. And it completely changes uh, the prospects, not just for the next year, but also sets the momentum for the future. So that's the first thing. Then in terms of the other additions, you start with Daryl Jackson, six, six, three hundred, uh, the transfer from Miami, who initially was at Maryland, uh, obviously some personal things that will uh, that that were part of the re- the reason for that transfer, and um, and a guy that's going to need a waiver from the NCAA to uh, to be able to play this next year because of moving close to home and all of that. That waiver sh- should come in. That's at this point the NCAA is you know not typically going to to take swings at these guys in the ways that they used to because of uh, the the optics of that and just the way that it generally works. So 
overall, you expect that to come through. And with the waiver, with him on the field, I mean, essentially, you're adding a love it level player. So this was a, a big problem for Florida State last year. And and actually, I, we, we probably should start with that. If we think about what Florida State needed to add for next year, for the 2023 season, the defensive side of the ball, they had really two significant weaknesses, and that was the depth at defensive tackle. They're a completely different defense when the, when the first two defensive tackles were not on the field. When Lovett and Cooper were not on the field, they were not good on the, on the defensive interior. They got a little bit better over the course of the year as Farmer improved and as they got a little bit, uh, a little bit better in some of those things and as some of those guys didn't have to play starter minutes. I mean, when Lovett was out and when uh, Cooper was banged up at one point, those guys were playing as starters and it was it was they were soft on the inside. They just were not able to stop teams the way that they wanted to on the inside. So that was weakness number one. They needed to to have more depth. You want to have essentially at least a four man rotation that you can trust that that is going to be able to handle their business against the run on the uh, on uh, at the defensive tackle position. Well, you retain Lovett and you add Daryl Jackson and you immediately have that. So Daryl Jackson, again, a Lovett level player in my, in my estimation, 6'6", 300 pounds. I think he'll probably be a little heavier than that going into next year. But he is a long arm, violent hands player who displayed better leverage than you'd expect from a 6'6 guy. He can anchor. He is a grown man against the run and does have some juice against the pass when, when teams, uh, throw it when he's on the field. To me, he's an immediate starter level player and he may be the starter next to Fabian Lovett. It's in, it's entirely possible, but who starts there on that uh, out of those defensive tackle positions is not really going to matter on this team because you're going to see guys that are going to rotate, you know, 50, 50, really it's going to be like 40, 40, 20, I think on the defensive interior. And you're going to basically get out of those 40-40-20s, you're going to get essentially no next to no drop-off. And that makes this defensive line completely different. The other guy that they added there that's an immediate contributor is Braden Fisk, the, uh, the defensive tackle transfer from Western Michigan. 6'5", 300 listed at. Honestly, he looks a little bit more like he's like 285 or 290 to me. He does not look like a 300-pounder. I mean, you look at Daryl Jackson... 6'6", 300, and you go, yeah, that guy's 300 pounds, easily. Fisk does not l- carry his weight quite the same way. Uh, looks a little light in the butt, too, in, in pads to me. But uh, again, you, you watch it, you turn on the tape, and he put up good production when, they, when Western Michigan played against Pitt and Michigan State. So against two pretty decent Power 5 offensive lines, he handled his business and he was a handful for those defensive lines. And you put him on a defensive line where he's not the focus of those, of those teams. And he's going to be able to display that much more, a uh, very quick player. So Jackson is more of a power player. Fisk is more of a quickness player, a uh, really good burst and a versatile player. I, I think he's more of a three, four and five technique player. So you can, you, you might see him at Fox a decent amount this year. Also at the three technique, some at that four technique when they go with uh, some tight stuff. So very versatile player, high motor, and can really run for a guy his size. Uh, 
I did think he was more of a splash play, a splash play player. So he would make a splash play and then sometimes get pushed around a little bit in the running game. So he's not the guy that you want on the field when it comes to short yardage. Uh, and you, you put him at the three technique or, you know, a two technique, you know, in inside type shade in those type things. He's not he's not a nose tackle. He's not going to compress things as much in short yardage goal line. He's more of a guy that, you know, you can get a lot of pass rush out of. He, he's going to get you penetration. He's going to do a lot of those things and cause problems for the defensive or for the offensive line with penetration. Uh, now, on the on the goal line, you might put him at five tech. You might put him at that at that defensive end spot, and then all of a sudden he's a handful there. So I think he's actually a pretty similar player to a healthy Dennis Briggs. So before Briggs hurt his knee, uh, that's basically, I think, a comparable look to what you get from Fisk. And next year, I mean, you look at the uh, at the overall situation. You look at the depth chart for next year, and it looks really good because you have those guys. You, you still have Briggs. You still have some of these others that are projecting as better players next year. I mean, Briggs will be a year further removed from that knee injury, which sort of sapped his explosiveness this year. And right now, I, I would project those four, Lovett, Jackson, Fisk, and Briggs, as your top four defensive tackles for next year. And that's that's a group where... Jackson and, and Fisk or Jackson and Briggs would start for just about anybody else in the ACC. And those guys are, you know, part of a platoon, essentially. And then you get to Ao Tifase as probably your number five guy. Farmer is in there. And Malcolm Ray, who was essentially a starter for a good portion of the year this year with, with Love It Out and with, with Cooper Hurt, Malcolm Ray might be like number seven or so might be even number eight on the depth chart by the time you get to to the fall, which is exactly what you want. I mean, Ray is a guy that situationally can be a really good player for you as a pass rush specialist, some of those things, but a little bit too light and just not strong enough, not thick enough to really be what is uh, needed for the for the for a top line or for your first sort of couple groups on that defensive tackle in that defensive tackle spot. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. And then you add the the freshman, the the guy who's not the transfer, and that's Keith Sampson, 6'3", 285, uh, from North Carolina. And best defensive lineman in North Carolina. Just really, he is a prototypical Odell Hagen's defensive tackle prospect coming out of high school. Very long arms for his size, multi-sport athlete, basketball, uh, also a thrower in track, which I love. Very heavy hands, uh, great bend, plays with a flat back, and then just moves like a much smaller man. To me, the comps for him are like a guy like Andre Fluellen, uh, Corey Durden. Yeah, so just a lot going on there in terms of the potential. He's he's a guy that you don't sign this guy for next year for the 2023 season, but in 2024, suddenly he's a he's a player. He's a legit player and will contend, will compete to be a starter in 2024. So that allows you to have the kind of top-end players and rotation that you need while being able to develop guys. Again, a guy like Aot Fase, a guy like uh, Farmer, 
these are guys that have really, really good potential for the future that you give them another uh, another year essentially to develop and then they can show out who they are in, say, 2024 while getting opportunities, you know, getting full quarters in 2023 because you're blowing teams out getting a full quarter of a play against against teams and that's how you t- how you keep guys happy essentially you get those guys that they're still playing a lot but they're playing a lot on teams that are blowing teams out and they're they're suddenly going to step in and be the dude be that guy the next year so so yeah that's 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 solid now of course there is there's a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of uh of a lot of offers flying around to to guys that are that would be Florida State's backups right now on the defensive line uh from other programs that are trying to trying to steal steal some of those guys away. I understand it. We'll see by the time this comes out, we'll see how that all comes out in terms of uh of who decides to to uh to stay the course knowing what's coming for Florida State and the success in the program and what they can show out. Uh and it's not like Florida State is not uh, handling their business in terms of of agreements and all of that on on the back end, but like I said, there's there's teams that are really throwing a lot of a lot of things around at some of those guys. But in any case, that's that's just the business these days. We'll move on from there. And then of course you get to the defensive end room, and Jared Verse obviously sticking around, being the the biggest uh, get for 2023. That shores up what you've got on the defensive line. I mean, you, you feel very comfortable where you are at that point. Uh, and then beyond that, you're going to add another transfer defensive end. Most likely that's going to be somebody like Gilbert Edmond, uh, quality starter in the, from the sec from, from South Carolina, six, four, two fifty, similar kind of build, uh, as verse, just not as bursty Verse is a freak when it comes to the acceleration and the burst. Edmund is more of a, uh, he's an athlete with size and length, not as much of a pass rush specialist, more of a well-rounded, powerful end who can, uh, who can sort of be a, uh, again, he's a well-rounded guy, uh, immediate plug and play starter. If he decides to go to Florida state, uh, and again, you're, you're upgrading there and allowing yourself to have a rotation of four, four and a half guys that are playing essentially starter reps on the edge. And that gives you what 12 guys that you feel comfortable with on the defensive line that you can rotate on, you know, on the regular and make sure that all of those guys are getting comparable reps and those guys all stay fresher and then they all put up better numbers as a result. So, so yeah. And honestly, I'd go after former five-star Jordan Birch from, uh, from South Carolina as well, but I'm, I'm greedy. So uh, along with that, you add Jaden Jones, six six two forty from Juco, uh, number one defensive end from Juco, uh, just a freak athlete, bendy, long, outstanding burst. I mean, you look at him and he's, he's two forty and could easily carry two sixty, and you wouldn't notice it. Uh, I think Jones is a first round talent for the future, that type of player. Uh, when you watch him on film, he has no idea what he's doing, uh, his get off from the line of scrimmage is like he's never seen a shoot before. He doesn't know how to keep his shoulder pads down, pops straight up. And right now there's a little bit of a Ricky Bobby quality to his game and that he, he doesn't have any idea what, what to do with his hands, but 
a year of coaching, and I think he's an all-ACC candidate. Now, he did tear his ACL second game of the JUCO season, so he'll be about a year out from tearing it uh, when it comes to camp, uh, when, when, when it comes to actually the beginning of the season, uh, and only about, I think, 10 or 11 months out from the surgery, about 10 months out from the surgery when camp begins. So he's not a guy that you count on for 2023. I think again, 2024, he's, he explodes, he splashes onto the scene and, and blows everybody away, but it's going to be a year essentially. Uh, along with him, you add Lamont Green Jr. To me, this was the top defensive line or the top defensive end prospect in the state of Florida. Uh, not top defensive line. I think, uh, Jordan Hall from who, who went to Georgia is probably that, but, uh, I think Green is a guy that the service is underrated, partly because there's just no drama and he's not really a camp guy. Uh, but you watch the tape and the explosiveness, the bend, the length, all of that's there. Uh, maybe not as long as someone like Mario, uh, as uh, as Marvin Jones Jr. last year, but I think he is basically the player that people thought Mar- Marvin Jones Jr. was last year. I think he's essentially the same type of player, the same level of player, but with more consistency at the high school level. So, I mean, that is what it is. So I I think, you know, and he's a guy that loves football. He's a legacy. He's going to be a locker room leader. You're looking at a guy that I think is going to be an all ACC player or better by the time he leaves. Going to take a little bit of time because he's got some weight to gain. He's a younger guy. And, uh, and again, he's a guy that that after verse and after, you know, those those guys who are in front of him head out, I think he he steps right in and and is a Patrick Payton level player probably as a sophomore and then as a junior steps forward and 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 becomes an NFL prospect. I think he's that type of player. Now it hurts that you lost Keldrick Falk to to Auburn, but if there was a guy in this class, you know, on the top end that you, you could afford to lose, it's probably that guy. Uh, you know. I would rather actually have green than Falk. It hurts, but you can, you can compensate for that. It hurts more for the future. And, uh, and that's one that you, you really wish you could have held on to, but again, uh, they'll, they'll find ways to sort of shore that up as they move forward. Uh, so again, you look at what they brought in, in terms of the transfer market and in terms of freshmen, and you feel very good about that combination. Jaden Jones and Lamont Green on the edge for the future. You've got uh, KJ uh, Sampson, Keith Sampson for the future on the interior. That's taking care of business on the defensive line. And they're continuing to build on what they've added in prior seasons. Uh, And then you've got Blake Nicholson at linebacker. So you move to the linebacker spot. Nicholson was their top linebacker on their board. Uh, He's he's six three two hundred, so he's got some weight to add. But he's an athlete and a football player. I mean, he he really you turn on his stuff, and the first thing you notice is he's he's actually really more of a running back in, in high school than he is a linebacker, and clearly a guy who loves football, loves to compete, and runs really well with fluidity. And he's a guy that just the movement skills and all of that are there to give him the kind of rangy to give you the kind of rangy linebacker you want in today's game. That said, the level of competition he played against in high school was weak. 
Uh, it's going to be a pretty big adjustment stepping up to power five. He's a guy that ha- is probably going to be more of a uh, special teams guy year, first year, second year. It'll be interesting to see how, how much weight he's going to be able to add and how quickly he's able to transition into competing for a job. But I think by year three, he's a guy that, that you expect to be a starter and expect to be a plus level starter, uh, Played more edge than off ball in in high school. So again, a a bit of an adjustment to be more of a coverage backer, which is what I think they see him as, uh, but has looked good in uh, all American bowl uh, context for some of the coverage stuff that they've got him doing there. And uh, there are some coverage snaps that you see in his high school stuff that suggests some encouraging stuff for recognition and instincts. And, you know, a lot of, linebacker evaluators like guys who play linebacker and running back because normally a running a guy who's an excellent running back has good instincts for recognizing holes and all of that and 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 good vision which then transitions into good instincts and vision for a linebacker i mean those are inverse positions in that respect so uh, to me the comp here is peyton wilson from nc state it's about an inch shorter not quite as thick as wilson was in high school but i coached against wilson in high school and watching this guy reminded me a lot of him so uh, i think nicholson is again a really good pickup a guy that uh, that they really liked and and was their top top linebacker uh, target from from the start. So always good when you land your top guy. Uh, DeMarco Ward, guy from Georgia, is a guy I honestly was not sold on him in his junior film. Uh, I, I saw a guy that was a little undersized, just not entirely sold. Then I saw a senior film and went, yeah, yeah, he's solid get. Uh, this is a very Randy Shannon linebacker. He's an instinctual guy, a football player, sort of your traditional Miami inside linebacker. I mean, that's what he is. Uh, he's good length at about six, two, uh, so good and, and longer arms than normal for six, two. And he says he's about two twenty now I'll give him two fifteen. So again, that's, that's good size. And he ran 11, six in the hundred meters running track in high school, which is very good for a linebacker, uh, puts you probably projecting around the mid four, six range for people who, you know, trust like 40 times better, but 11, 600 meters tells me the guy can run, uh, to me, Ward is a guy who, is a future starter and a solid player at that position. He sets the floor really, really high at that inside linebacker spot. You feel really good about him there. So again, you you bring in two linebackers that I think are probably both future starters. You're, you're really happy about that and guys that can be plus starters in your program. Uh, then you move to, to defensive back where they brought in six, six different guys. <laughs> so, uh, starting with Conrad Hussey, the the last edition of those from high school, six foot, one hundred ninety pounds, from St. Thomas Aquinas. I'll take any top player from St. Thomas Aquinas I can get. Those are guys that are from a, a very high uh, culture program and they're well schooled in in high school. And then you add the the physical traits. He ran ten nine zero and twenty three oh five uh, ten nine in the in the hundred twenty three oh five in the two hundred as a junior. So he can he can fly. That those are very good times for a safety prospect, uh, and suggest that he's going to be a guy that's going to have really good range. And if you watch the, the 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 film, if you watch what he's got from from his senior year, you see outstanding ball skills. But he's definitely a safety, not as fluid in transition, not as much initial burst as some of the other guys that that they brought in, and really, I think, projects as a kind of boundary safety where Jamie Robinson played this this last year. Uh, I think he projects in that area as a guy that that 
is sort of your quarterback of the defense plays not so much one-on-one type stuff, but, uh, but is run support, uh, a guy with, with range over the top, really good player overall and, and good prospect for those things. I think your comp is somebody like Terrence Brooks, uh, from the 2013 season guy who maybe a little bit unheralded compared to some others, but is really an eraser back there and really reliable. And I think just a great addition in that respect. Next guy I'm going to talk about Quindarius Jones, six, 290. I think he's a rare athlete, uh, a guy, who, another guy who could play about five positions and another defensive back with just excellent ball skills. And most of his, uh, his highlights again on the offensive side and you see him just mossing guys with those ball skills and the acceleration and top end speed are excellent for six to 190 pounds. Uh, I don't think he's quite as quick footed as Rawls and not quite as fluid as Kirkland in movement, but he flashes the traits to get there. And, and I think he's a little bit more raw than those guys, but the physical stuff is all there. Uh, to me, he projects as a boundary corner could grow into something else. I mean, he's a guy that just physically is interesting. I mean, he could grow into a buck safety. You just don't know what weight he's going to, he's going to grow into because his body, he's got a lot of length and, and the frame is really, is really there to me. The comp coming out is Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I, I, I like, I like him a lot. I think he could grow into that kind of first round, bigger corner, that the NFL really likes. So Xavier Rhodes is, is, is the guy that I kind of look at and I go, yeah, that kind of length playing more, more receiver in high school, some thickness to him, not quite as natural in transition or quick footed, but you know, excellent stuff. So, uh, really good. Again, you, you look at him and, and it's crazy that Florida state was his only big offer really his only power five offer. And I think he's a guy that is, that projects as a future starter for you in the, in the secondary. And where is the question? But I think he's a future starter. Uh, and then you look at another guy that Jabril Rawls, 6'1", 170 pounds, and a guy that when I turned on the tape, I, I liked him better than I expected to. Uh, you know, w- basically the top speed. So they did some GPS stuff on him uh, this year, and his top speed on the field in pads was 21.5 miles an hour. Uh, that's excellent. That, that means you got some speed and, uh, he does, he did show some juice as a returner, you know, as a, as a kickoff returner. And there's really no stiffness to his game. Very loose hips, uh, excellent length. You can see they're, they're recruiting to a, to a prototype here with all of these guys that they're bringing in. And, uh, and again, another guy that's a football player, a guy with the ball in his hands, a guy, uh, playing multiple positions on defense, on offense, in special teams, all of those things, and then plus ball skills as a receiver. Uh, he's a guy that I I think there's some Renardo Green to his game. I think he's a little faster than Green was. Uh, can play corner, but I think actually moving forward, I think he projects probably best as a, a really outstanding coverage field safety. So sort of that third corner in the secondary at at a, at a safety spot that you can that you can do some one-on-one stuff with that can play off the ball. I, I like his game a lot. And uh, I think he becomes a really interesting prospect in, in those areas. It could also potentially be a, a nickel. So uh, a lot of position versatility there. 
and a guy that, again, I think becomes a plus starter for you in the secondary. Then you've got Kenton Kirkland, 6'1 and a half, 190 pounds, another bigger body with some physicality, a lot of similarities to Quindarius Jones, not quite as uh, as thick, I think, uh, or not quite the frame that, that Jones has, but again, a little bit bigger body with some physicality. Uh, ran an 11-3-600 meters as a sophomore, uh, and then was a uh, bronze medalist in the Class 2A track meet in, in, in Florida, uh, the, the high school uh, 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 state championship at 48.79 in the 400 meters, which is excellent. So anytime you're under 49, that's that's very good. So a guy that can run, and I like guys that run the 400 because that tells you that they're tough. <laughs> you got to have some toughness and some willingness to get into that pain cave uh, as a 400 meter runner. So very, very long arms, 6'5 wingspan, and another guy that's just position versatile, could be a boundary corner, could be a nickel, could grow into a safety with outstanding range at that speed. But he reminds me a little bit of some of those rangy Alabama corners from about 10 years ago. Some of the when they were, you know, bringing guys in that were more six two types that uh, that were, you know, if you go back to like the 2009 Alabama team, some of those guys, one of those type corners. And again, I think where he winds up is going to be really interesting. All of these guys, I think they're, they're, they're going to start all of them at corner and then just determine who fits best at what positions based on what they're able to show. So, you know, the guy that wins the boundary corner position ends up pushing somebody to somewhere else. And then the guy that wins the outside corner position may push somebody to the nickel. And if a guy is just better at the nickel than anybody else, then he plays there because you got your best 11. So all of these guys have, you know, comparable traits and none of them are guys that can't run. Every one of these guys can run. Then Edwin Joseph, maybe my favorite of the group in terms of, of floor might not have as high a ceiling as a couple of the guys, but I think the floor is super high with Joseph, uh, in terms of as a, as a corner six foot, 178 pounds, six, six wingspan on that six foot frame. So super long arms, Another guy who played both ways, he's more of a receiver as a prospect coming into his senior year and then started playing more corner and everybody went, whoa, okay, uh, this guy can really play corner. Fluid, uh, has some thickness through and, and power through that lower half. Really like what I see there. And I think very natural burst and drive on the ball. I think the most natural sort of in transition in, in, in some of those bursty aspects of playing corner of this group, very loose, fluid hips. And, you know, I don't have a good time on him uh, in track. I, I, I like track times. I prefer track times over everything else. And I don't think he's quite as fast, say, top end as Jabril Rawls. But I don't see any issues in terms of him being able to turn and run with just about anybody. I mean, he looks like a true mid 4-4 type guy to me. Um, and, and really, the comps for me are a couple of cor uh, corners from Florida recently. He reminds me a lot of Keir Elam. Uh, who went uh, just went to the NFL from Florida. One of those guys, really solid corner. And I think a guy that could come in and, and compete to to play early at the corner position with uh, with even with some of the talent that they've got on campus already. So I think he's he of these guys probably is the, the guy that contends to play earliest at corner uh, could potentially also slide inside and be a, con a contender at that nickel spot. But uh, but all of them, I think, are are starter potential and and plus starters, not just, you know, starting because they have to. But these are these are all guys that I think 
you, these are all takes in pretty much any class. You feel really good about that. And then, of course, they add the the transfer, Fentrell Cypress, Deuce Cypress, who uh, was one of the top corners in the ACC last year at Virginia. And now you're stepping in. And I mentioned earlier, one weakness on the defense this year was a lack of depth at defensive tackle. When your top two weren't on the field, you had significant problems. They shored that up. The other problem that they had really was at corner, where one they, they got, I think, really solid play from Renardo Green all year. And then they were just a little, they were not elite at the other spot. They were, they, they got solid play at corner most of the season. It was solid, but it was not outstanding. And they had to protect their corners a little bit at times. Cypress gives you a guy you don't have to protect as much. And he's a guy, again, high school uh, track time ran sub 10, nine in the hundred meters. So a guy that can really run, you're not going to have guys run away from him down the field. Played a lot of off man at, at at corner at Virginia, so he he shows some ability to play uh, press, which they'll have him press more at Florida State. But the fluidity and the ability to transition and all of that at off man and the ball skills, I think, make him probably your best corner on campus immediately, and upgrade that position significantly. So now you go from having two weaknesses on your defense, two places where they were at least not strengths, and one of them was a significant weakness in 2022. Going into 2023, those now are strengths on your defense. So that's what you hope to do in any given year. Now what you've got to do, you lose Jamie Robinson. Now they've just got to figure out how they're going to set up the secondary to make sure that they don't have a new weakness at safety. They don't have you know something that that, that emerges from last year. But essentially now... You come into the 2023 season and you've got depth. You've got immediate depth. You don't really have any weaknesses as long as you handle that safety spot. And then you've got some developmental pieces that are potentially, you know, eight all ACC or better pieces at those same key spots. That's a successful recruiting class in any year. Would you like to have a little bit more uh, high school success? You know, again, you land Falk, and this is an A-level recruiting class from the high school ranks. It's probably a little bit less than that because they're a player or two short from what they wanted to get in in the high school ranks. I think this is you know a solid B plus uh, recruiting class from the high school ranks. You add a you know a Hall from instead of him going to Georgia, you add him at defensive tackle, and you keep your uh, your you keep Falk at end, and all of a sudden that's an A. That's as that's as good a defensive class as anybody's going to have. That's how close you are to being where you want to be recruiting wise, and they've managed to fill the other gaps and holes with top level transfers. And this team now, with what they're bringing in on the offensive side and with what they're bringing in on the defensive side is in position to make a legit run in 2023. And I don't just mean for the ACC. This is a team that, that has a chance with the guys they're bringing back. You have Lovett and verse, and then you add Jackson and Fisk, you add some of the younger guys development. You have, you add one more, you know, top level edge prospect who can come in and play right away at that level at the level that they that they're looking at and you have Peyton and McClendon as your backups at, uh, on the edge that is as good a two deep on the defensive line as anybody has in the country outside of maybe Georgia 
maybe Alabama, but I think you're in the Alabama range there in terms of your two deep. And you've got some three deep players that can play. So now all of a sudden, that's where you have to compete to be able to compete for more than just the ACC. And that's what you have to have to be able to compete with the Clemson. And I think with what Florida State's bringing back personnel-wise and with what they're adding personnel-wise on the defensive line, I think Florida State's going to have the better defensive line between them and Clemson this year. It's going to be close. Clemson's is about as good as anybody's. But that puts you in that same discussion. You're a top-tier unit. Whether, you know, you can split hairs and say, well, you know, okay, I'll take Georgia's. Yeah, and you probably will take Georgia's. But are you in the same relative tier? Probably. Georgia would take Jared Verse, and he'd start there. No question. So, yeah, I, I think I think you've now put yourself in that position. And the same thing with corner. You feel really good about, you know, Fentrell Cypress is going to start just about everywhere in the country. You know, Renardo Green, depending on where he plays, he's a guy that's starting just about everywhere. So now you're you're feeling really good about where you're at in terms of what tier you're in for each position at each level on your defense. And that allows you to do some things that you couldn't do with as much comfort in 2022, especially when you, you know what you've got defensive tackle wise. It gives you some, some confidence and some flexibility to be able to call some things that maybe you weren't as confident on. And then of course you have, and I didn't mention this because this is already a full episode, but you, you know, Woodson moving on to Arkansas, that was a good mutual parting. He got paid. He's he's getting paid a lot more money to be a co-defensive coordinator at Arkansas, and I think Florida State's going to upgrade that position in terms of position coach. Uh, I, I mentioned this on my last episode. I thought Mike Norvell would have to make some very difficult decisions on the back end of the defense, and they're going to be able to do that. And of course, there's some other NCAA news coming in terms of uh, of what coaches are able to do and what you know support staffs able to do in practice, and that's also going to help. Uh, and that'll help Florida State. Now, it's going to help, you know, Florida State's competition as well. But in some of the areas where FSU has been a little weaker, I think that's also going to help. So but we'll talk about that when it hits. Up until then, I mean, this has been a full episode. There's a lot to evaluate, but I don't see a single player on the defense that I have any questions about as a take. And I, I think they evaluated the heck out of this class. This was several of these defensive back prospects I looked at and I'm like how is he ranked where he is because he is a really really high level prospect these are guys that have they brought in some high ceiling guys I mean Quindarius Jones a little bit lower floor you don't know how he's going to develop but the ceiling is super high and then some super high floor guys like Joseph and and Hussey there's there's a great mix there and I think you got two starters at linebacker I think you got a, a, a future star at edge and a future star at defensive tackle, two future stars at edge, actually, and, and a future star at defensive tackle. Th- this is a quality class and and one that I think Florida State has to be really pleased with, especially when you're keeping the most important guys on your defense for another year. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. 
Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>